The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. Chris Colquitt is a graduating senior, and so he'll be coming and bringing God's Word. Good morning. If you'd open with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. Our focus this morning is going to be on 2 Timothy 2.1, but in order to get there, we're going to read, starting in chapter 1, we're going to read verse 6 through 12, and then, and then move to jump up to 2.1. So it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And then jumping down to 2-1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning confessing that we are poor and weak and needy. And we do ask that you would strengthen us by your word. Would your Holy Spirit now open our eyes that we might behold your glorious gospel, that we might behold your Son, and that we might go from this place strengthened to do the ministries to which you have called us. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Seminary can be a rather disorienting experience. At least I've found it to be at times. We're all here, I hope, and trust because... The gospel has captivated our hearts. One point or another, we saw that we couldn't do it, that we in our guilt and in our need and in our weakness couldn't cut it, and we looked to this gospel that tells us that God has done everything, that through Christ, he has met our guilt, and he's provided for all of our needs. And this is why we came to seminary so excited to proclaim this gospel message. And you get here, and you start to get measured start to get graded. You stand up at this pulpit if you're in the MDiv with like six people out there and you proclaim brilliantly the gospel of Jesus and then your peers get their pencil out and, and grade you, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't get any better as you get towards the end of your seminary career because then you have to go find a job. And those questions that were implicitly asked as graders uh, by graders are now 
being asked by churches that are considering whether or not they want to hire you. Are you good enough? Can you cut it? Right? And, that, and, and if we're honest, I think deep down inside, that, that question is, is the one that's bouncing around our heads a lot of the time. Right? Am I good enough? Can I cut it? Am I strong enough for this thing? And that, that question is up in the air with every great test we take, with every sermon we preach, and, and then with this big daunting task of trying to find a call after our seminary experience. Now, grades are important, and I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize that, and it's important for the church to assess our gifts and to, to see if we're called to the ministry. So, and, and, and we ourselves need to have a sober assessment of our own gifts. But it's, it's no less disorienting, in my experience, um, as, we, as, we, as we sit asking ourselves this question, am I good enough? And yet we are trying to proclaim this gospel that says, no, you're not good enough. Jesus has provided everything. My hope is that this passage can help reorient our, our hearts. Um, it, it helps me, and so I hope, I hope it will do the same for you. Our goal is simply really to understand what... T- Paul is telling Timothy in in verse 1 of chapter 2, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's one of those verses that's that's generically lovely, and it's it's easy to skip by as we read it in our text. Be strengthened, that must be good. The grace of Jesus, that's great, right? Moving on to other things. But I think if we slow down and and, and ask a couple questions of the text, it's actually an interesting sentence by Paul. Paul, why? Are you talking about strength? You told us that you boast in your weakness. You told us that God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. So why are you calling Timothy to be strong? And then even if we can get past that, and I think we can, how does the grace that is in Christ Jesus strengthen us? The grace that is in Christ Jesus reminds us that we are weak and that we're in need of grace, of mercy. So how does that result in us being strengthened? So I want to ask those two questions this morning. First, what is the need for strength? And second, how is this gospel, this grace, the source of our strength? So the need for strength and the source of strength. So first, the need for strength. We want to consider a few things about this word strengthened in verse 1. If you are good enough and strong enough to have your Greek Bible in front of you because you're really special, you'll see it's endunamao is the word. A few things to notice about this, I think that'll help resolve maybe our initial difficulties with the concept of strength. First, if we're going to be strengthened, that implies that we need to be strengthened. We have some relative weakness. Timothy needs to be strengthened because he does not have that strength to which Paul is calling him. Second thing to see is if you're really good enough, it's a passive verb. That strengthening is not found by digging deep inside. You're not going to go strengthen yourselves. It's coming from the outside. And the third thing about this word is that it's not not just be strong in the sense that Brian is really strong. (laughs) It's be strong in the sense of be strong for a task. Be enabled for a task. When I, there was a time, it's hard to believe, when I was in good shape and I was I was, uh, it was when I played football, because when you play football, you lift a lot of weights and you run a lot because you need to go out and I needed to push around a guy who was 300 pounds and, and when we collided, he needed to go backwards and I needed to go forwards. <laughs> I was lifting weights because I needed to go do this task. And when invariably your football career ends, there are two kinds of people. 
There are people like Brian who keep lifting weights and keep being strong. And then there are rational people like me <laughs> who, are, who are lazy and say, I don't need to push around a 300-pound man anymore, so I don't need to lift weights anymore. The, the word Paul is using here, strengthening, implies that Timothy's got something to do, right? He needs to go push around some 300-pound guys, and so he needs to get strong for that task. Now, what's Timothy's task? His task is the ministry, a task many of us share and are aspiring to. So just note that this word strengthening has, has a nice balance to it, because on the one hand, it's not, it's, it's, it, it answers our pride, right? We don't go into ministry strong in ourselves because we need to be strengthened from the outside, and that's a passive strength that comes from God. But at the same time, we're not wimpy because God does enable us to do the task of ministry. I worry sometimes that we focus on that first part and, and, and feel like we need to be wimpy in the task, and there's a nice balance here to Paul's understanding so this understanding, strength for ministry. So why then does Timothy need to be strengthened? Well, we read in chapter one that Timothy's prone to fear and timidity. And that fear manifests itself in his being ashamed of the gospel. Timothy's a scared little boy. What's interesting about Paul here is, is how he addresses Timothy's fear, his, his tendency towards shame. He doesn't do, I think, what we would do most often. I have a three-year-old, four-year-old daughter. It's her birthday today, Margaret. And, and we go down to the beach a lot. We've, we've loved being in California. We go to the beach. We set up a blanket, some toys. It's a great time. Until recently, Margaret, quite inexplicably, one day, it was a, I guess it was, there were big waves that day, was tremendously scared by the waves. And we had to get up and move back. And then we had to get up and move back to the hill behind the waves because she was sure that the waves were going to come get her. And, and as a father, what did I tell Margaret? I said, Margaret, the waves aren't going to come get you. You're okay. You're safe. You don't need to be scared. And that, I think, would be our temptation if, if we had a young minister come to us like Timothy and say, I can't do it. Say, no, 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 it's, it's okay. You're going to be okay. You can do it. That's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't tell him, Timothy, you shouldn't be scared. Because if you read the rest of 2 Timothy, Timothy has every reason to be scared. He has every reason to look at this ministry and say, I don't know. Because he's going to have enemies. They're going to proceed from bad to worse. Suffering, Paul says, is not negotiable in your calling, Timothy. And, oh, by the way, Timothy, your own passions, you can't trust them. You need to flee from them. And these people, these people that you're going to go minister to, well, they're eventually not going to want to hear you anymore. And they're going to want to go have their ears tickled by someone else. So Paul's not sugarcoating the facts here. Paul's saying, Timothy, it makes sense. It's worthy of fear, but God is able to strengthen you. And he strengthens you by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So Timothy needs this strength. We need this strength. And the question then is, where does it come from? How do we get it? Is, is the grace that strengthens us this, this kind of zapping of, of strength that we get from Jesus? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think, that's what, I don't think that's what Paul's saying here. And it's true that God gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, to enable us for the ministry that are gracious in their, in their gifting. But I think there's something here specifically about the gospel, about the grace that is in Christ Jesus that 
redounds to our strength. I think that's Paul's argument. To see that, we want to jump back to chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go back to chapter 1. And I think we're justified in doing that for a few reasons. First, because we have this therefore or then at the start of, of verse 1, which, which means Paul's continuing his thought. Second, because if we want to understand what grace is, we may think we know, but, but we, we'd be wise to go see how Paul uses that term. And he uses it in this section of chapter 1 that we read. And then the third reason to go back to chapter 1 is this, is this word we have as strengthened. Again, for all of you A-plus students with your Greek Bibles, that word in dunamao is, is, is related, obviously, to dunamis or dunamai, right? Empowered, made able. And we have that word in chapter 1 three times. God gave us a spirit of power. We share in the suffering in verse 8 by the power of the God. And in verse 12, he is able to guard us until that day. So that word is there three times. In fact, the English hides it from us. It would be perhaps better for us to read all of them with this idea of ability to be enabled. So God has given us in verse 7 a spirit of ability. We share in the suffering for the gospel by the ability of God. And you then, my child, be enabled by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All three of those ideas are there. And so then verse 8, if we read it that way, that last clause of verse 8 reads, share in, the suffering for the go- share in suffering for the gospel by the ability of God, by the power of God, by the strength of God. Which then sounds a lot like 2-1. Where Paul calls us to be strengthened for this task by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So then in verse 9 and verse 10, Paul expands on what that power, ability, strength of God is. And what's great about it is he goes to the gospel, he goes to grace. And we see two realities of the gospel that relate to this idea of being enabled, being empowered by God. Verse 9, Christ saved us, God saved us and called us to a holy calling. Why? Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. It's not about you. God has called you and chosen you, and your salvation has nothing to do with you. This is a beautiful statement of the gospel. And in verse 10, speaking of the Savior Christ Jesus, he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Through the gospel, death is abolished. These two realities, one, that our salvation, that the gospel is a gospel that chooses us, that calls us irrespective of our own merit, which is the heart of the gospel, and second, that because of Christ's work, death has been abolished. Life and immortality has been brought to light. Paul's argument, I think, the idea he's got in his head in verse 1 of chapter 2 is that those two realities strengthen us. How do I see that? Because the opposite is the source of so much of our weakness. Because why are we weak? Why is Timothy weak as he looks out at this call? Because he's looking at himself. He looks at himself and he says, I can't do it. I'm looking deep down in me and I don't have it in me. This call is big, it's massive, it's huge, 
And as I assess my own life, I'm not good enough to do it. I don't have what it takes to cut it. So that's one source of weakness. And the second is, he has this life. And the call that, that, that Paul is calling him to is going to threaten that life. He might die. And if he doesn't die, in the meantime, he's going to have to suffer small deaths every day as he lays down his life for those he's called to love in the model of Jesus. And so his life is at risk. This precious thing he's working on, his life is at risk, and he looks to himself. And this, these two realities answer those boldly. It says it's not about you. You've not been chosen because of what you see deep down inside of you. And death has been abolished. On the second point, verse 12 is interesting. It's, it's a disputed verse. Paul says, I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. That's the ESV. The New American Standard translates it, what I have entrusted to him. And the reason it does that is because it's ambiguous in the Greek. It's my deposit. He is able to guard my deposit. There's good arguments on both sides. I think it's what I have entrusted to God. And I think Paul has in mind his life. He's not ashamed because he has entrusted his life to God. And God is able to guard it. His life is hidden with Christ in his future. And so he is secure That's the reality that's brought out in verse 10. And so we look at ourselves and we say we can't do it. And Paul says, don't look at yourself anymore. And we look at our life and we say, but, but, but I'm going to have to suffer and I'm going to have, I might die. And these interests that I have that are so important, they're going to be sacrificed. And Paul says, Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life. And he is able to guard your life that you've entrusted to him. And so we are strengthened. The result of knowing those two things, of of working those two things into our heart, is that we can go out and do the work of ministry. We can go out and, and, and make crazy decisions, as it were, to lay down our lives and to do things that if we really look deep down inside, we say, I can't do it. Those waves are too big. I'm too scared. That, I believe, is what it means to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so I'd close with this encouragement to you and to me. In seminary, in ministry, there are always going to be a lot of eyes looking at you. Eyes looking at you to to grade you right now. Sometimes eyes looking at you uh, to learn. Wanting to learn. Sometimes those eyes are going to be sympathetic. They're going to be rooting for you. Sometimes they're going to be very judgmental and critical. And as, as you live a life where all these eyes are focused on you, my encouragement is to not let your own eyes be among them. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on his accomplished work. Fix your eyes on the fact that he has abolished death. Fix your eyes on the fact that he has saved you irrespective of what is inside of you. Be strengthened by that and go out and lay down our lives for the sheep we're called to love. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Great God, 
we are, we are encouraged by this message. We, we love your gospel, and we, we only ask that you would work it into our hearts, that we might know it to be true, that these two realities might indeed strengthen us for the tasks to which you have called us, not only in our ministries, Lord, but as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. Lord, help us to walk in the path of your Savior, laying down our lives, secure in the hope that you are able to guard what we have entrusted to you. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.